folks, and welcome back to Return to the Telepodcast after a somewhat lengthy hiatus. Yay. I mean, I guess, I don't know, we might have a different episode that comes out before this one, but that one will be coming after a fair hiatus, too, I guess. Yes, I think. I don't remember. I, I don't keep track of time. Uh, yeah, yeah, all sense of time is lost. Literally. Um, Kevin and I are in our last semester of our MFA right now, so we're both in, like, the depths of, like, finishing up our lives here. Yeah, yeah. I thought it couldn't get worse. It, it's gotten worse. It absolutely <laughs> gets worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, cool. So, yeah, uh, as always, I guess, um, I'm Bryce Patterson. Obviously, I'm joined by my dear friend and co-host, Kevin Serrano Echevarria. No, you're not. Uh... Kevin, yes. how are you doing today? Oh, you know, I uh, literally got ready seconds before you arrived to record. I was—I literally just brushed my teeth when I uh, opened the door to let you into my apartment. So that's how I'm doing. Yeah, that's it's mid-afternoon right now for yeah. those of y'all listening at home. Yeah, uh, yeah I feel that. I, I, I totally feel that. Good. You're drinking a uh, soylent green pretty much. I am, yeah, yeah. I'm like into this meal replacement shake thing right now, um, and I'm gonna try not to be like a douchebag about it. But if we ever, you know, get to the point where we can have like sponsorships on the show, Huel, give me a give me a call. So the green, I will I will sponsor you. It's like people. It but is better. People. Yeah, cool. Well, so this week we're we're doing kind of an odd episode. Um, so we're talking about the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. And essentially, I mean, obviously there's like a fucking gazillion movies. And so what we kind of decided to do was look at two of the most, I guess, traditional entries and then two of the really weird, zany ones. And so part of that, we actually didn't watch, I think, what are generally considered some of the best in the franchise. Like I think number four is one that people really love. But uh, I've well, seen that one at some point. I will just I'll just say that like if you have to like wait to like to get to the fourth sequel to like get a good movie, it's not a good franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, essentially, we're gonna cover the original Friday the Thirteenth from nineteen eighty, the two thousand nine reboot of the same name, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna talk about Jason X from two thousand one. And Freddy vs. Jason from 2003. And it's just occurring to me now that it's sort of odd that we have this franchise that's like very much known for being an 80s thing. Mm-hmm. And we're only talking about one movie from the 80s. But, you know... I usually associate Friday the 13th with like late 70s, early 80s-ish. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's sort of like the really big boom starts in like 1980 and goes on. Yeah. Until maybe about the 90s when the slasher film uh, kind of dies for a while. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, after Scream, like, you can't really do anything else with it. Yeah, when I think even the few years leading up to Scream, mm-hmm. the there just weren't a lot of slasher films because right. the 80s had that absurd glut of just uh, a lot. all There's of a, them. That's a whole lot. Yeah. We haven't even covered, like, half of them. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> and we probably won't. No, no, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, so uh, to start us off, what's what's your history with Friday the Thirteenth? Friday the Thirteenth, if I remember right, like I hadn't I hadn't watched 
At least I don't think I watched like the original Friday the 13th until like we watched it. Although I might be wrong about that. It's like one of those things where it's like so ingrained in culture mm-hmm. where it's like I already kind of knew pretty much the plot of the movie. Right. Um, and like it, it, it either felt like I was watching it again or I was just being reminded of like a fever dream memory of like me watching it at some point. Um, but that's that's pretty much my history. Like <laughs> it's ingrained in our culture. So I feel like whether or not I watched it is irrelevant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Had you seen, like, other movies in the franchise before we did this, like, series? I don't think so. I don't remember, though. But, like, I don't think I did. Yeah. Yeah. I always get Friday the 13th and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street confused. I don't know why. But I've definitely seen a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street. I haven't, I don't think I've seen a whole lot about Friday the 13th. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're interesting because I think there's a point, like, if you've seen almost any slasher movie you mm-hmm. kind of had the experience yeah. of, of Friday the 13th I, I feel like maybe like uh, hopefully nobody listening to this is like a diehard Friday the 13th fan because neither of us are like big on the series not really no it's fine it's yeah. fine as a whole the franchise is fine yeah yeah so I I saw Scream actually I think before I saw either Friday the 13th or Halloween Mm -hmm. so you know there's that moment in the uh, opening of of Scream where she's on the phone and he asks her you know who is the killer in the original Friday the 13th and she says Jason Voorhees and then he's like no it was actually Mrs. Voorhees Um, and so on some level I think I saw the original film when I was probably like right out of college and was on just a big horror movie binge but I kind of I, I knew that that central twist on some mm-hmm. level going in, and I always kind of felt like Friday the Thirteenth was sort of uh, like sort of a poor man's Halloween. Yeah, it pretty much is. What I will say is that like specifically, a lot of the sequels are really fun if you're just in the mood for like a movie that's like not going to surprise you at all right but we'll give you you know you're kind of like there's some splatter there's some dumb jokes there's that like sweet 80s-ness that i think is just kind of uh fun on some level as for like generic as the uh first one is and i don't think it's bad i just think it's generic like the franchise does surprisingly like innovative stuff after that yeah, when it takes a good number of movies for them to do anything different. Right. Um, there's one, and I don't even remember which one it is, where Jason is this weird, like, worm thing that possesses people. Why didn't we watch that? <laughs> it's really, it's, like, painfully bad. I love um, that, though. Yeah, no, it's 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 a fun uh, kind of central conceit. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard, right, because there's... I don't even know how many, like at least 10 movies, I think. That's too many. And yeah, yeah, uh, even doing four was kind of a lot to go through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like franchises should uh, kind of like die off at some point, so. Yeah, well, and this one, uh, I mean, kind of did. It did, yes. Yeah, we haven't had a new one since 2009. I hope it stays that way. Yeah, we'll see. I, I wonder, because, I mean, you know, we're in that phase right now where we've had the Halloween reboot, the Scream reboot, the Hellraiser reboot, the Texas Chainsaw reboot. And they've all not been very good. Yeah, spoilers for our Scream episode coming up. It's the not new good. Scream is not great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess we haven't seen, there's another one coming out in March of 23. Oh, uh, right, So right. really soon. We haven't seen that one yet. No, we haven't. Um, so yeah, so what we'll do is we'll just briefly summarize each movie and... I don't, you know, the characters and the plot beats are not 
unique enough between most of the movies in the yeah. franchise for it to be really worth actually summarizing them in any real depth, right. you know? So we'll just kind of give a quick, like, three or four sentence uh, summary and then just talk about each movie a yeah. little bit. There's maybe, like, two characters in the entire franchise besides, like, Jason and his mom that are, like, worth even naming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not character-driven epics, no, for sure. No, they're really not. Cool. So, let's talk about Friday the 13th from 1980. Yes. <laughs> A group of young adults head to Camp Crystal Lake to help renovate and open the facility after it was closed in the wake of several murders years earlier. And then they're, you know, picked off one by one... And eventually it's revealed that the killer is Mrs. Voorhees, who is uh, taking revenge for the accidental death of her son years earlier. That's literally it. Yeah. Well, and so I, I guess starting with this one, I want to think about why it's a classic, you know, mm-hmm. or why it's why it's gone down in time so as much as it has. Right. And I think the simplicity is kind of part of that. I agree. You know that it's uh, it's really not convoluted, um, but it does have kind of a fun surprise twist at the end. It gives you the kind of like the gore, and then like the I guess like there's like that sexuality side mm-hmm. of slasher movies that it's it's just very kind of like exploitation film in both oh, of yeah. those ways. Absolutely. Um, in in a way that's generally pretty fun. Yeah, I would agree. It's. You mentioned that it was, like, a Halloween knockoff, and, like, it feels that way. Uh, I guess, like, the only things that make it feel unique are, like, that it goes into the sexuality and the quote-unquote gore. I mean, like, at the time it was gory, but now it's really not at all. Um, And the twists at the end really are, like, the, the things that, like, set it apart, I would say, from Halloween. Yeah, yeah, and so this had um, Tom Savini doing the the special effects and the makeup, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, he went on to do a bazillion fil- films in this era, and I think was kind of one of the masters. I mean, I think he's still alive and still around, but uh, you know, one of, one of the masters of that kind of like uh, horror movie practical effects. And so I think for like a film that's as low budget as Friday the Thirteenth, it does manage to look really good. Yeah. Yeah, and you know where Halloween is very, um, it doesn't show a lot of the violence on screen, right? Like a lot of the killing is done sort of more by suggestion. Mm-hmm. This one does have you know like a arrowhead being pushed or a spear or something like pushed through the back of a bed and then going yeah. through somebody's neck. You know, it's um, it really it shows you everything in yeah. a way that I think maybe most of the big horror movies beforehand like didn't or potentially weren't always able to yeah and for the most part like all the special effects are serviceable or like good like it's it it you don't really ever notice them very much which is i think is a is successful yeah yeah and i think maybe particularly for its time as well i think it was probably particularly shocking yeah um yeah, I was thinking about this morning. So I've always thought of Friday the 13th as being 
kind of a cynical cash-in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it was uh, the creator of the film, whose name I'm utterly blanking on right now, mm-hmm. had actually put out like an advertisement for like Friday the 13th, the scariest movie of all time, before having like a script or any plan for it, really. A lost moment. Um, and it really was sort of this, uh, you know, Halloween had cost very little and been like incredibly successful financially, mm-hmm. and so I think it was very much an attempt to jump on that. And so I'd always seen that as being really cynical. And what occurred to me this morning is just thinking about young filmmakers who are trying to, you know, get into the industry, Mm -hmm. that it actually seems like a a fair career move, essentially, to be like, you know, I can get the funds to make this and can roll the dice on it being fairly successful. And... That, that that made me feel less... I, I think, yeah, there's always been some part of me that's just like, yeah, it's just a Halloween ripoff. Mm-hmm. And maybe that makes me feel a little bit more empathy, I guess, for the filmmakers. I mean, it's like the the equivalent of, like, 1980s like, crowdsourcing. Like, it's... I don't think there's anything, like, wrong with, like, the approach to the film. Um, I don't disagree that it's, like, a Halloween knockoff. I feel like it is, but that doesn't necessarily make it bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, there's... It's just a fun movie. It's fine. Yeah, I like it. It's fun. I think there are some moments where, like, the pacing... Like, when we're not in the murders, Mm -hmm. there are times where it's just like, oh my god, can we just, like, get to the murders, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. And I like like the twist at the end. Like, uh, the, the killer being Jason Voorhees' mom, I think is a lot more interesting than it being literally Jason. Yeah, well, that's something that the franchise... It fucks up. Yeah, they really (laughs) drop that. Uh, Yeah, I think it's kind of fascinating that I don't think we've had another movie where Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. Not really, no. I don't remember any, at least. And yeah, that that that's it's an odd thing then that you you kind of end up with like you know they keep coming up with new excuses uh, for ways for Jason to come back, Mm -hmm. but he's. He's maybe like more visually iconic, but I don't think he's as as interesting from like a character perspective. Dad, when he was like seven years old, just like drowning in a fucking camp lake, whatever. So it's really he he doesn't really have an interesting backstory. The person that has the interesting backstory is his mom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting move that on, on some level. Like, Jason coming back again and again, almost, it depends more on the fact that the audience recognizes him Mm -hmm. than it making sense in the narrative or being particularly interesting in the narrative. I don't know. I think it's interesting that they went from uh, focusing on a, like, older woman, mother, as, like, the main villain, to then focusing on her child, who is, like, an adult, I mean... In the remakes, I guess, is just like a big honking, like, honk of a man. Yeah, when even, so between Friday the 13th Part 1 and Part 2, if I remember right, only like a couple days pass, Mm -hmm. um, if that, before the second one starts. Um, And so at the end of the first movie, we have um, dead little kid Jason pop out of the water and grab the final girl. The beginning of the second one, the final girl wakes up in the hospital and is like, oh, Jason, blah, blah, blah. And then Jason in the movie is, like, a full-ass grown man. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the time frame makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. Crystal Lake is actually a maturation chamber, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that's sort of just the nature of the sequels is that, like, 
there is no meaningful continuity. And in some ways, that's kind of fun. And in some ways, I think maybe even more than a lot of horror sequels, each Friday the 13th very much feels like it's just a remake of the original. Yeah, yeah, which I feel like is such a lost opportunity because there isn't really, especially at that time, there wasn't really like slashers where the main slasher, I guess, was a woman, and especially not like an older woman who's not like using her sexuality. Yeah. It's not until like fairly recently when that started happening. The only one I can think of is like Ma being that. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, any any last thoughts on the original? Um, it's good. I liked it. It's a Halloween knockoff, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. We're going to jump, actually, to the most recent film. Yes. So, Friday the 13th, 2009. And, again, I'll just summarize it really briefly. So, a group of young adults uh, looking for weed in the woods near Crystal Lake are stalked and murdered by Jason. Later, Sam Winchester from Supernatural shows up looking for his sister, who was a member of the group. And he... uh, meets a group of hard-partying douchebags, and they all get killed off one by one, and eventually Jared Padalecki, Sam Winchester, whatever, uh, rescues his sister, who's been actually held hostage by Jason rather than being murdered because she kind of resembles a young Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah. So, this movie sucked. Yeah, it did. It was not good. It was not good uh, pretty much on any level. Uh, I like that, like, the rich assholes got murdered. That was cool. Yeah, it was, that was satisfying on some level. It was satisfying, but, like, I didn't empathize with any of them, so... Yeah. I, I was never on the side of the victims, which... It, it, it's good in some level, but at the same time, it's like, then I don't really have any, any perspective that I really care about in the movie, then. Yeah, well, I think that's sort of, and I'm not the first person to say this, you know, but I think that's sort of the movement that slasher films kind of had over time mm-hmm. was that more and more the kind of central character that we were following was the killer. That was like yeah. the one sort of consistent character. Right. And so rather than, you know, I think in the original Halloween, say, generally I like the characters, mm-hmm. you know, um... I think there's this movement towards making them more and more unlikable, so it's just satisfying seeing them get murdered rather right. than having kind of interesting characters that we like or are rooting for on some mm-hmm. level. Yeah, and I feel like with movies like uh, Friday the 13th and Halloween, it, I don't I don't think it's a good idea to do that necessarily, where we're like following the slasher or the killer, because they don't have a personality. Like I don't care about them very much as people. It's not yeah. like it's not like with a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street because Freddy has a massive personality. Right. Uh, where like if I saw a movie that was from his perspective, which I think there are like a few of them, mm-hmm. um, it it makes a lot more sense and it feels like a, a lot more fulfilling, like on, uh, on a story level. Yeah, yeah. It almost feels like slasher movies at a certain point move into it's just kind of like. You know, a form of poetic justice for, you know, people that we don't like. And not a whole lot more than that. And I think that's maybe part of why a lot of these movies feel kind of forgettable. Yeah. It's just that there aren't any characters that we really care about much or just that are particularly interesting or unique even. Yeah, yeah. None of them really, really matter a whole lot. 
Yeah. The other thing we, we talked about briefly before recording is sort of the shift of, and I, I think it's kind of a subtle shift, uh, but on some level, right, the the characters in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, or Jesus, the original Friday the 13th, I've done a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, they're not... Yeah, they're not super unique or super, like, deeply lovable or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. But they're just, like, a group of, uh, I don't know if they're teenagers or young adults or what have you, but, like, a group of young folks that are at Crystal Lake to work a job. Yeah. And so on some on some level, I think they feel a little bit more, like, underdogs that mm-hmm. are just kind of trying to get by. Right versus in the new one it's just like a bunch of rich assholes yeah i mean like and in the, in the original you you get to like see them literally like working the job like they're preparing the uh camp crystal lake to be like inhabited later on and you get like sequences of them like actually working um and being human beings with each other <laughs> So, yeah. like, it feels, they, they feel more fleshed out as people, and they feel like they have, like, a life outside of, like, this narrative. So, like, when they get, like, killed, it feels more impactful, uh, as opposed to uh, rich assholes who I don't really care about at all, ever. Yeah. Well, and I, so, for this new one as well, there's this problem of the pacing of the movie is really weird. It's, yeah, very weird. So we start with a group of, again, I don't know if they're college kids, you know, a, a group of young adults who have come to the kind of Crystal Lake area mm-hmm. and they're just looking for, uh, I guess, the, like weed plants that are growing there. Yeah. Um, and so we spend some time with them. We go through a pretty long sequence where all of them are murdered. And then we jump into the narrative present, and now we have Jared Padalecki's character and this new group of, you know, douchey young people. Right. That's like 30 minutes of the, what I would call the cold open of the film or whatever. So it's like, it it, it feels like time-wise that that was the first act, but like, I guess story-wise, the first act doesn't start until 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah, when it's almost like like the first act is almost like the third act of a different movie. Yes. Yeah. And it just means that like the movie feels weirdly longer than it is. It does. It feels long, and uh, at parts it feels rushed because it's like tr- kind of trying to fit an entire third act in like ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a really weirdly structured film. It is. I think, and it's just, yeah, we we burn just a lot of time on this first chunk of characters that don't matter and never appear again, yeah. you know? I do. The, um, the other main thing that I think really hurts this movie is I think it's just kind of mean-spirited in a way that the older ones weren't. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and so it's, it's actually, it's directed by Marcus Nispel, who, um, he also did the 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm. which I think has the same basic set of problems, that it's also very grim, really brutal, and you don't like anybody. Yeah. Um, and... I think the big thing that I noticed is... So in, in the old films, Jason is very... He's creative with, with his, his kills. You know, mm-hmm. some people he machetes. Sometimes he shoots them with arrows. You know, whatever, whatever. But he's not necessarily sadistic. 
No, I would he's say. Not. And I feel like I, I mentioned to you, this to you before. It makes it scarier for him to, like, not be this like weird torturing dominator sort of like mm-hmm. thing. Uh, for him to be this like cold, calculating like uh, hunter or like yeah. killer, I think is a lot more frightening. Um, in, like in this context, uh, because like with like how Jason is portrayed in the remake. It, it makes it feel like it makes the killings feel like they could have been like a lot like the the victims could have escaped from them a lot more or it makes it feel like uh it, it doesn't really make sense for like someone like jason who is meant to be like this efficient killer to torture everyone yeah yeah so in the the first i don't know the first sequence yeah. i guess uh you know there, there's a woman who's like trapped in a sleeping bag and like hung upside down yeah. over a fire and it yeah it, it, it's it's slow and sadistic whereas yeah i think historically jason is he's like a huntsman or a predator yeah. you know he's efficient and yeah. he kind of and, and, and it ends up feeling like that changes the mood of yeah. the film a lot where like rather than like kind of quick spectacular deaths a lot of it is much more it's 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 brutal in a way that feels tonally out of touch i guess with the older films yeah and it doesn't make sense like for someone to be roasted in a sleeping bag like it, 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 it's strange that she couldn't get out of it first of all, and it's strange that she died so quickly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It all around. I think it's just it's not fun no. in the in the way that the older movies were. I think, and I, I think that's a, a a good chunk of it is just like um, maybe not understanding the difference between how these older movies used violence mm-hmm. and how this newer one does. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's true of a lot of these. I don't know if this was Platinum Dunes. I think it might have been. Um, but this kind of rash of remakes of classic horror movies in the early 2000s, you know, like I, I think a lot of them are like this, where they kind of really up the kind of cruelty mm-hmm. without necessarily thinking about like what that does to the feel of the movie yeah it's very uh very new metal sort of uh yeah sort of jason <laughs> just like oh i hate everyone everyone has to like be in pain like i am yeah i blame rob zombie i don't know why but i do yeah i mean i think he's he's part of that right yeah. his Halloween remakes, if I remember right, I think preceded this by a few years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would not be surprised actually if those were like among the kind of reference points for this film. Wow. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason X. Love it. Amazing. Zero notes. Show stopping. Unbelievable. Never before seen. Just amazing. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, this is one... It's funny because I think, like... I mean, I know it was a box office bomb when it came out. Yes. And I think people were generally sort of like, the fuck is this? They weren't ready. They weren't. It's so... <laughs> I mean, it's not good, but it's awesome. Yes. I, I would argue that, like, it, it's objective, like, failings narratively are more than, like, made up for in how fun and amazing it is. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'll give the the summary just very quickly. In the distant future, Jason is being held in a research lab. 
he escapes long enough to kill David Cronenberg in a cameo yep. and gets cryogenically frozen. In the more distant future, he's picked up by a group of scavengers and accidentally revived to go on another killing spree. And there's some, like, nipple play torture. There is. Uh, there's a VR crystal lake. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason has to fight, like, a dominatrix bot. In, I love her. Like, bondage leather. I, I adore her. She is the mother I never had. She is the sister we all deserve. <laughs> <laughs> I've met your mother, Kevin. <laughs> I won't say anything more than that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Essentially... It is the exact plot of the original Alien, of this kind of little crew out in, like, space, lands on a planet, and in this case it's Earth, uh, and they find a thing, bring it on board, and then it murders them all. Yeah. Uh, And so it follows, you know, the basic beats of the original Alien plot, and you just literally replace, like, find and replace Xenomorph with Jason. Yes, it is very much literally that the only difference is really the tone because like alien is slow and like frightening while jason x is like schlocky as fuck and i love it it's high camp yeah it is extreme camp i love it yeah 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 i think you know it's yeah, again, I just, like, it's one of those movies that's, like, both, like, objectively bad mm-hmm. and objectively awesome. Yes, <laughs> I agree. And I think it was maybe, like, misunderstood in its day on some level. Yeah. That, like, I think by the time that this came out in 2001, you know, the actual Friday the 13th formula was totally played out. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, I think they'd, like, done everything they could with it. Like, kind of several times over. And so as much as, like, blasting uh, Jason into space is, like, an insane move to make, I think it kind of pays off. I mean, it makes sense. Like, that's my first instinct when if I, like, have to think of a remake is always to change the genre of it and to see if, like, I can change the tone of the movie, which is exactly what the filmmakers did, um, which is why it feels so fresh and, like, so (laughs) completely like stand out from like the rest of the franchise uh even though it's like the story the writing of it isn't good at all Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh the fact that it like tries so hard uh is just makes me love it yeah yeah when it's i mean i think something we've come back to a bunch of times when we've been pitching sequels is changing the genre and then also changing the setting Mm -hmm. you know um and on some level that's tough because Jason is so fundamentally tied to Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. And I think even like the, it's like the Crystal Lake research facility at the beginning. Yeah, I hate it. Which, I love it. I yeah. love it and hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pops up on the screen in like 90s X Files text, yeah. you know? Um, but it, it, it really does that and does that like really full on. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, I think it's Jason Takes Manhattan, where oh, he like right, goes to New yeah. York City and he like, punches somebody's head off um but but i think that i mean that was pretty roundly considered a failure Mm -hmm. i think uh whereas this i think just shows much more life and much more imagination it does it's very very imaginative like to make a fucking uh whole like world around 
like Friday the 13th that has absolutely nothing to do with uh, Friday the 13th is just, yeah, it's a lot. It's more than it, the franchise deserves, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the, the characters in this one are, I mean, they are fairly standard kind of slasher characters on some level. Yeah. That it's sort of like a group of horny young people. Uh, but there is the mix of also there's the kind of military people on board. Mm-hmm. There's the professor who wants to hold on to Jason for financial reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, he's worth like a fortune, which again is straight out of Alien. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I, I think that there is like a, a slightly broader range of characters. And the characters themselves are wildly over the top in a really yeah. fun way. I mean, besides like those two characters, there's also like someone that came from the past who's like we're following her perspective the entire time. There's a fucking android. <laughs> Which I we just need to talk about her a little I love bit. Her. I love her. She is my favorite character in any of the fucking Friday thirteenth movies. Yeah, she's kind of awesome. Yes. There's a point where... So there's, like, the kind of dorky science guy yeah. um, who has this android that he's been programming. There's a point where he's, like, I think trying to, like, attach nipples to her. Yeah. And they keep, like, falling off. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the professor, it turns out, is into nipple torture. Yeah. Um, Which is such a, an odd, random scene that I enjoyed thoroughly. Yeah. But then when they actually have to put the android lady into, like, battle mode, oh my God. Um, she just goes from being... I don't even remember what she's wearing before, but suddenly she yeah. just comes back and is, like, wearing all black leather, like, looks like she's yeah. out of the Matrix. Yeah, which, like, narratively doesn't make sense where they get that, but, like, <laughs> yeah. also, I don't care. How do they have time to, like, make her, like, a full bondage outfit right. when Jason is, like, loose on the ship? Right. Also, why does she just have time to change clothes, even? <laughs> because you can't kill someone if you don't look cute. I Fair. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, I think, like, all around, like, the cast of characters is much more colorful and zany yes. than we've gotten in a lot of the movie, which, or a lot of the films, right, which mm-hmm. is sort of just your basic kind of, like, horny teen and or young adult person right. who's just, like, a, you know, you base, slight variations on that exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, whereas in this, I think it's, like, very similar. It's mm-hmm. just heightened and with, like, a light amount more kind of range between the different characters. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's, like, actual world building, which is astounding for a fucking Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, the uh, the idea that there are these, like, scavengers mm-hmm. that are looking for these remnants of old Earth is, I actually think, like, a pretty good premise. I, yeah, you know? I agree. It's almost, like, more imaginative than this... Not that... Because this movie does kick ass, right? Yes. Um, But, like, that could be a really good premise for, like, an entirely original film. Yep, I agree. But it it works well enough here and is fun and clever. Yeah. Yeah. It sure is. Highly recommend. Yeah. It might be my favorite Friday the 13th. Oh, it's definitely my favorite Friday the 13th. Yeah. By far. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? There's no might there. It just is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. I think isn't the 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 vocal sample from that I think is supposed to be like kill her or something. It is? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be Mrs. Voorhees' voice that he's hearing, which doesn't make sense in the original movie, but no. makes sense in the sequels, I guess. 
I thought it was just like a random, just like late motif of just Jason. I didn't think it meant anything besides that. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like a cutoff version of like kill her or something like that. It's like a command that Jason is hearing. Oh, I I never got that. Yeah, I, I it's something I never got. I just like happened to see it on Wikipedia once. I think oh, that makes sense. Cool. So, Freddy versus Jason from two thousand three. Yes. So. Freddy's been forgotten by the, I guess, the general populace. Yes. Freddy's been deady. Freddy's been deady. Yeah. He's, I think he's supposed to be in hell at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but he's been forgotten, and that means that he no longer has the power to invade people's dreams. Because that's how it works, apparently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he revives Jason, and basically he sends Jason on a murder spree so that the re- he can use the resulting fear to kind of regain his strength. So I guess the idea is that, like, if Jason is not murdering, people will think that it's Freddy doing it. Mm-hmm. And by believing in him again and talking about him again, he'll come back. To- it's like it's like Coco, like the movie yeah. from Pixar, where, like, if you're forgotten, like, you're dead. Yeah. Like, dead, dead. Yeah. And, like, if people remember you, then you're not. It's... Odd, odd logic that I don't think ever makes an appearance anywhere else in the fucking Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yeah, yeah. That's why you can't even like get through this summary without picking apart the movie. It makes um, no goddamn sense. So basically, so Freddy sends Jason on a murder spree, um, and then is like, wait a second, Jason's killing all these people that I want to be killing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then a group of teens pull Freddy out of the dream world into the real world, and then there's a showdown between Freddy and Jason. And so, I mean, our starting point, I think, has to be just... So the premise is weirdly convoluted Mm -hmm. at the same time as it's really, really dumb. Yeah. And it relies a lot on the characters sitting around and explaining the plot to each other. There's, like, one scene where it's just, like, all the characters talking about, like how everything works and like what they're gonna do that goes on for a long time and like even after that i have no idea what's going on yeah yeah it's so fucking stupid uh this i think has to be one of the dumbest movies i've ever seen oh, absolutely. in my life absolutely the plot is so convoluted and like it's never explained in a way that makes sense they explain it a lot but i never understood it <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's, like, it's, it's, it's dumb, and on some level it's kind of fun, I guess, Yeah. but it's held back. It feels to me like this was the first draft of the script. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one actually went through and was like, okay, so, like, this exposition dump, you know, two-thirds of the way through the movie is maybe a bad call. Right. And it, so it's, it's sort of... Yeah, it's it's just almost, like, irritating to watch on some level because the logic of it is so poorly put together and so right. poorly um, given to the audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's this whole thing where, like, uh, Jason can only be killed by water and Freddy can only be killed by uh, fire. This avatar-ass. Fucking avatar-ass <laughs> motherfuckers. Like, none of it makes any sense. Like, neither of those elements are anywhere in the franchise and like, well, I mean, okay, okay, okay. I, I, I mean, the, D- Jason gets killed by drowning, and like Freddy gets killed by being like fucking immolated. But like, mm-hmm. 
the actual, like, the only way you can kill these people is by setting them on fire or drowning them. Yeah. That's kind of odd. Yeah, yeah, no, it's this weird sort of, like, they build out this weird level of lore that doesn't exist Mm -hmm. in, at least as far as I've seen, that doesn't really exist. Like, like people not remembering Freddy, meaning he doesn't have the power to get into dreams. Yeah. I haven't seen everything in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I haven't either, but I'm pretty sure that doesn't show up anywhere. Yeah, and I guess even if it does, it's a difficult... Uh, it's just a hard sell for me. Yeah. It, it makes me think of like every time you say, I don't believe in fairies, a fairy dies. Yeah. And you have to, what is it, like clap your hands in Peter Pan? or Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's what it makes me think of. Uh, it feels very like kind of fairy tale-esque yeah. in a way that like seems tonally weird for... I mean, like, I feel like those like elements like that come up mostly in like children's stories. Yeah. Where it's like it, it's it's only real because you believe in it. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you can't you can do something with that in horror, but I don't think it's done well. Yeah, and I guess you know because Freddy is specifically a child murderer. Like right. it, 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 it could. It's not that the conceit is fundamentally broken. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it on a base level anyway. Right. But it's also done so poorly in this movie that it almost doesn't matter if it could work because right. it doesn't. It's does not no at all. Yeah, yeah, it's just an oddly convoluted story, I think. Yeah. And, like, the sort of, like, what it takes to actually get to Freddy and Jason facing off, just, it, yeah, there's, it's just convoluted. I just want to see them fight. Like, I just want to see them kill each other. Yeah. And, like, we get there eventually, and it's, I feel like the only decent parts of the movie is when they're actually, like, fighting each other. Yeah, well, even those... Um, so, the director, Ronnie Yu, he got his start... His background is in, like, Hong Kong cinema, and mm-hmm. he did, uh, I think, one of the Chucky movies, and yeah. he did this. Um, but his background is in, like, action movies. Yes, yeah, it feels that way. Like, it feels like fucking Jason and Freddy suddenly know kung fu. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, the, the, the fighting... I don't know what I would want from these two characters fighting. Right. But what happens on screen is very, like, over-the-top and kind of operatic. Like, there's a lot of, like, characters getting thrown, like, 100 feet into the air, yeah. you know? Um, like, it almost... Yeah, the, the the fight scene is just extremely over-the-top. Yeah. Which, I mean, the, the, the whole movie is over-the-top, but it's almost like this is over-the-top in a different way. Yeah, yeah. It totally makes absolutely no sense for the rest of the movie. But I like that because the rest of the movie fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah, this is one that I I was thinking about this, that, like, going in, did you expect a horror movie from this? Or did you have a sense of, like, what genre you anticipated? I mean, I expected, like, horror. I expected, like, action horror almost from Mm -hmm. the movie, uh, which is kind of what we got. But, like, we also got, like, a whole lot of fucking, like, fantasy-ass lore as well. Yeah. Which is odd. Yeah, it almost feels closer to, like, slapstick than horror to yeah. me. Yeah. 
And it's just a difference of, like, rather than somebody getting, like, hit on the head with, like, a pole or something, it's like they're getting hit on the head with, like, a hammer or an axe. You know, it's just, like, slapstick, but more gory. I feel like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it leans a lot more in the, I, what it's supposed to, I, I feel like it's trying to be action, uh, even though it comes off as slapstick. It leans a lot more into action than it does horror. Like, there really aren't a lot of horror elements, ultimately. Yeah, and that feels... I mean, I, I guess there's a fundamental level that, like, a, like, big crossover between these two franchises, like, mm-hmm. that that fundamentally would be hard to make scary because right. it's kind of absurd at, its, like, a starting point. Yeah. Um, it's similar to, like, Alien versus Predator. I think that, like, it exists because fans think it would be fun, not yeah. because, like, a creator had, like, an interesting take on it or right. thought it would, like, enrich either thing necessarily. I mean, I can't, like, literally cannot imagine, like, Jason and Freddy living in the same universe and that being a good film. Yeah. Like, they're just fundamentally different kinds of horror movies that I don't think match together well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Michael Myers and Jason existing in the same world, I still wouldn't particularly like. I wouldn't But either. at least that, like, yeah. makes sense, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at that point, you would just have, like, two silent, invincible killers, so, like, that would also be just kind of dumb. Yeah. But, uh... I get what you're saying. Yeah. It, like, it, 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 both, like, Halloween and Friday the 13th kind of has a similar vibe, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Friday the 13th, which are completely different. Yeah, and it might be that this just, like, it's fan service for, like, a certain kind of fan, Mm -hmm. and I just think neither of us are that kind of fan, necessarily. Not really, no. Although, I do like that uh, Kelly Rowland is in it, fucking one-third of Destiny's Child. (laughs) (laughs) The not-Beyonce of Destiny's Child. The other one. The other one. Not the other other one that no one ever talked about. Yeah, right, right, yeah. (laughs) Um... And she just, like, fucking squares up against Freddy for a hot second. And, like, if it wasn't for his, like, weird magic superpowers and suddenly knowing kung fu, like, she, he probably could have been killed by her. Yeah, she could have kicked his ass, Yeah, she, she definitely could have, because he's literally just, like, some burn victim with claws. <laughs> like, that's his character. Outside of, like, dreams, he's just a burn victim with claws. <laughs> yeah, well, that's something that, like, going back to the original... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Like, when, when Freddy's pulled out of the dream world, he's pretty vulnerable, yeah. you know? And I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is just my reading of the character, but I feel like Jason would have, like, absolutely kicked his ass in the real world. Definitely. Yeah. And, like, the idea that they're, like, relatively even matched in the real world just doesn't kind of, doesn't quite scan for me. No, it doesn't. I, I Yeah. I also just, like, don't know if Jason sleeps. I don't think he does. He's, like, this weird supernatural monster thingy. Well, that's a good question, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, objectively, or, like, that's a fucking stupid question that shouldn't matter. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I feel like because it's in this context where he's fighting a, a, a killer who's, like, established to only, like, really have powers when someone's asleep, it matters whether or not Jason can sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one like I I don't have a lot to say about it because on some level it's like, yeah, it's kind of fun, dumb slapstick, but I just didn't think it was actually that much fun. You know, like it was. 
maybe if it was more absurd, it mm-hmm. would click for me more. Or maybe if it was like more or less, I don't know, a, a less absurd version of this, I think, would not work even remotely at no, all, I guess. not at all. It would be way too, like, much world building, even more convoluted than it is already. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I This is one where I'm sort of, like... I get, you know, mechanically why it exists, because mm-hmm. there are fans of both of these franchises that thought it would be fun to mash them together. Yeah. I just don't like it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't either. They, they didn't think of, like, whether they should. They only think of, like, whether they could have. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just that, like... It's a really bad uh, fucking... Jurassic Park app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're <just> messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just not fun enough for what it is. No, I it's think. Not. Like, I think it needed to be like a little bit smarter to be as fun as it could have been. It's very not smart. It's extremely dumb. Yeah, yeah. It is one of the most like boneheaded films I've ever it seen. Is. Yeah. Pitching here is, is interesting. Um, you know, I had initially thought about, like, okay, so, like, if I were to reboot Friday the 13th now, like, what would be my pitch? Mm-hmm. But my sense is that, you know, we're kind of in that, like, soft reboot era of just being like, oh, yeah, you just do the original, but, like, one character comes back, so there's, like, a sense of continuity. Right. Um, and I'm really fucking sick of those movies. I, I don't like, I don't like that at all. Yeah, yeah, I'm also really, really worn out on that. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to approach it as just being like, well, like, what could be, like, a new Friday the 13th Mm -hmm. that wouldn't necessarily be anything, like, totally shockingly new or anything like that, but just, Mm -hmm. like, a setup for a Friday the 13th movie that I think could be fun in the same way that a lot of them are. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. So my pitch, so a group of developers has started building a new suburban community that eats into the forest around Crystal Lake and it's, you know, kind of getting to the point where it's getting close to the lake itself. (laughs) They're opposed by a group of young uh, environmentalists and I'm imagining them as being like kind of like monkey wrench style. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like they're really um, actively taking steps to kind of... uh, foil this this development i guess like eco-terrorists yeah 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 um so yeah they're opposed by a group of young eco-terrorists who are concerned about the damage that this new community will have on the landscape so then jason returns and he's kind of slicing and dicing in this like half-built community Mm -hmm. so i'm imagining like you know uh the shell of a movie theater and like you know what's going to be a wendy's but isn't Mm -hmm. yet and then the actual kind of like copy-pasted houses that are like halfway built Mm -hmm. i like that i like that a lot yeah, I, I I think it feels a little bit like uh, the Texas Chainsaw yeah. remake. Yep. Uh, but like, almost more believable because like in the in the Texas Chainsaw remake, it felt weird that there was this bunch of like yuppies buying an entire town mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of nowhere uh, to like fucking make what Dallas two point um, But like like a whole company of like developers just like clearing out a forest that's been abandoned to make a like a fucking suburban community makes a lot of sense yeah i thought it felt kind of contemporary on some level i I absolutely was thinking about the new texas chainsaw right um i I think there's also something to you know in 
Maybe in most slashers or definitely in like the Friday the Thirteenth films, you generally have like the people who aren't Jason are basically on the same side. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, they're all just trying not to be murdered by Jason. Right. Um, and I, I think that there's potentially something interesting in. I'm imagining the opening of the film is you know a guy uh, a logger cutting into a tree and hitting mm-hmm. one of those metal spikes so his chainsaw rebounds on him or something. Right. And so this sense that, like, people are, like, you know, the developers are actually blaming this eco-terrorist group. Mm -hmm. And then I'm interested, I I haven't really decided, like, does Jason, like, actually kind of spare the eco-terrorist people initially because he sees them as sort of allies on some level? Or is he just, like, indiscriminately murdering them all and they have to, you know, team up with this kind of other side that they absolutely hate? I don't don't know. I don't know how he responds. I think it would be interesting if, like, um... The eco-terrorists are the only ones who have, like, any sort of power to stop Jason, but there's, like, this um, conflict of whether or not they should do that. Because they're killing, like, all the developers and the people building, Mm -hmm. like, the community. Mm -hmm. So, like, Jason's, like, inadvertently helping them. Right. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it'd be interesting if there was, like, a conflict between just that group of eco-terrorists of, like, whether or not they should stop him or just let him kill everyone. Yeah, I mean, you could absolutely have, you know, a character who's, that's, like, exactly their perspective, right. you know, and somebody else who's like, oh, we're messing with something that is much older and deeper. Right. Because my, my image has always been that, like, Jason is sort of, like, a force of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that the films have ever really had, like, an ecological bent, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a huge step to think of him as being, you know, he's kind of, like, this woodsman who does live in harmony with nature in his own weird kind of fucked up way yeah it's very uh fucking folkloric almost in yeah. That sense. yeah i like i like it i like it it's a good pitch yeah thank you yeah i i like it too you're welcome yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i i i think that there's potentially something there mm-hmm. um it feels close to home for me on mm-hmm. some level even though you know crystal lake i think is in like new jersey or something yeah yeah it is which makes, again, if we're going back, fucking back to Freddy versus Jason, I think that the, the setting of it is in California. I think so. I think yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street is definitely supposed to be California. Yeah, so is Jason just, like, fucking taking like, a plane from New Jersey to California? He's just road tripping over. <laughs> He's just walking. That's the movie I want to see. And I would walk 500 miles. <laughs> yeah, I watched that movie. I would watch... Like Jason road tripping over Freddy versus Jason any day. I absolutely would as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how about you? Did you have any like particular pitch that came to mind? Yeah, yeah. So I just thought of something. Mm-hmm. So even though I like am generally not a fan of like a uh, fucking what is it called when you like get the backstory of a character, uh, well, like an origin story. Yes, thank yeah. you. Even though I'm not a big fan of like origin stories for the most part. I think it would be interesting to, like, get a uh, uh, Jason's mom origin story, almost. Where, like... Because I'm curious of, like, what did she do after, like, Jason was killed? That, like, yeah. drove her off the deep end to, like, start murdering people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just think, like, Jason's mom has got it going on. But... <laughs> <laughs> Jason's mom has got it going It's, like, the most we've, like, ever sung in an episode. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but she... Yes, man. Sorry. <laughs> She's a much more interesting character, in my opinion, than Jason is. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if, like, you develop her character more. Um, so I was thinking, like, we follow Jason's mom, Mrs. Voorhees, um, pretty soon after uh, Jason 
uh, is killed or Jason, I guess, dies uh, due to negligence. Um, we just kind of like follow her in like her suburban community, like around Camp Crystal Lake, just her becoming a shut in all of a sudden, just like everyone around her just kind of like ignoring her while she is slowly going insane and starts killing people. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like it, it would be a lot more interesting to see like how she goes from like living in this like fairly normal like house like wife sort of life mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. eventually like de- deteriorating to this uh, monster that eventually just moves into Camp Crystal Lake itself to be like closer to her son. So like she would be like mm-hmm. a tragic sort of like slasher character almost. Yeah. Do we? I don't remember if this ever came up in one of the sequels, but like, do we know anything about Jason's dad? I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm wondering, like, was she a single mom? Right. Or, like, was Jason's dad around? You know, right. I think that, uh, and I, I don't remember within the context of the series what that looks like, right? But it would be really interesting potentially to think about, like, if say Jason's dad is around then maybe right. he's like her first victim or something yeah yeah maybe like I, I was imagining like her just being a single mom because that would also just like especially if we're like in back in the what 70s 80s ish mm-hmm. that would very much set her apart from like everyone initially already if she was just like uh, a single mother raising her uh, intellectually disabled child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would already kind of make her not match well with everyone else yeah, so she might be kind of an outsider from the beginning. Yeah. And yeah, that makes sense to me that she's like already kind of an outsider and then it's just like she's pushed even further to the fringes. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I dig that. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening. We'll be around intermittently, I we think, shall. for the next few months we as shall. we uh, finish our theses and generally try to survive as people pray for us yes please pray for us i need your prayers (laughs) (laughs) all right bye folks bye return to the telepodcast is a production of silent machine studios featuring music by my silent machine if you enjoyed this episode like subscribe and do whatever else you usually do with podcasts i don't know thank you for listening